Welcome to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson, a podcast by dealers for dealers. Here we go. Hello, guys and gals. Welcome to this episode of the Independent Dealer Podcast. Luke, we are knee deep in March, just trudging forward. Uh, tax time on top of stimulus time on top of you wearing a green uh, bowler hat I'm the, and a bow I'm the tie. Tax, I'm the tax time leprechaun. Yeah, just bring it. You know, part of the we're, goal. Part, part of goal at the end of March. 17th of March. So, uh, yeah, yeah. big issue covered over there. Um, what's going on, man? Let's uh, let me let me bounce a couple ideas off you. I've got some stuff on my mind. Some stuff that's been in the posts and the forums. Um, you seeing the stimulus money? Seen something. Uh, there's uh, the uh, collections yesterday out of this world. Uh, yeah. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's a mixture of tax money and stimulus and, you know, everything that's in the economy. I, I, I just feel like inflation's right behind us though. And, and oh. <laughs> oh gosh, there's so much cash out there. So cars, so, cars are hard to get, you know, everything. You said, you said so many things there that interest me. So if you're a buy here, pay here dealer and you have a portfolio of car notes, inflation is good for us, right? In that note, in that situation, because the values of those cars are going to stay inflated for a long time. Well, yeah, because so the yes. value of all assets are going up. So it's, and I think inflation is good for our current portfolio, right? right? Yeah, because, that makes sense to me. Right, because those cars, in theory, go up in value, right? And or they hold their be, value longer. Let's say, sure, sure. And people's people's money should go further, right? During inflation, if if they already no, currently no, no, no. locked in, no, no, listen to me. If they're currently locked into a payment, okay. so for the next forty-eight months or thirty-six months, if they still have this payment uh, and inflation goes up, their payment's actually less than what it would be if they bought a new car. Okay. So I think for our current, so for our current portfolio, yes, for adding cars to the portfolio, I think there's, I think there's an issue there. There's going to be more cash out of our pocket. Uh, there's going to be higher yeah. payment, uh, you know, across the board. And, and we've already seen that in the last eight months. We've seen that jump. Absolutely. I mean, my, I remember back in the day, I, I used to have a $220 payment, you know, monthly, mm-hmm. you know, on my $5,000 A to B starter car. And now, I mean, my starter car is $7,000 and it's a $300 a month minimum payment. And I mean, that's only in the last two or three years <laughs> that I just, there just is not, there is not a cheap car payment anymore. Jeff, I remember, I remember when, when I started this, our highest price car was eighty nine ninety five, and we may have had two, and that yeah. was like very rare. It was a suburban, and you know, I got twenty five hundred dollars down. Well, now if I have a car from ten thousand or less, that car sells the day it's put on the lot mm-hmm. because it's such a need for that that lower end car, lower not end car. I didn't say uh, that lower, lower dollar, lower dollar amount car. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's weird how that's just really adjusted. So yeah, uh, inflation's here. It's it's already happened in our side, I believe. And so the other thing you said was, um, you know, collections. Uh, so those of you with the buy here, pay here, lease here, pay here portfolios. I mean, I know that I'm looking at my payoff stack from just the last couple of days, and I've got five or six, yeah, uh, payoffs in the last two days. You know, so, uh, and luckily we sold five or six in the last two days, also, but. Man, I got people coming in, you know, all day long. They're calling, "Hey, I, I want to pay off my car. I got three thousand dollars. I got this. I got this." Like, we've already are had, people wanting to get out of debt, or is that just 
do you think I'm going to add just as many as I pay off? So we, uh, we've had 11 payoffs already this month and we're through 17 days, which is very, very high. Um, I mean, not extremely high, but we've seen in the last two days payoffs come in and we've already had calls this morning on more payoffs. I, what I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a little different position in some buyer pay your source because a lot of times what will happen with us is people go get refinanced at a better rate. And we see that oh. a, a small percentage of our portfolio do that each month, which is great. I mean, people getting better credit. That's what I want. You know, that's, it, makes, it makes for good customers in the long run because every once in a while they have another, another snafu and, and they're back with us. But I've seen that. We've seen that a lot this month. And uh, that's a good thing. But I do think people want to get out of debt, Jeff, because, you know, the one thing I have been reading is during this pandemic, people's savings have gone way up. And for, for our customers with poor credit to get out of debt and to get better credit and to have savings, I think does everybody good, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, you've definitely noticed that. And, and I mean, yesterday, our tax max stuff, you guys know I've been doing it. It's been great. I printed off seven more checks yesterday. Um, a couple of them were stimulus checks where I guess for a couple of days, the government sent stimulus checks to tax max instead of straight to the customers. And that's been <laughs> fixed. But I had one customer come in. They had their federal, their state and their stimulus. I cut them three checks totaling about 11 grand. Wow. To one family with, I think they maybe had four or five kids. Right. But I'm just like, whew. So I'm kind of like, hey, you guys want a second card? You want a third card? Like, you want to pay some payments ahead? But you just want to pay. You just want to pay off. It's pay off. Your, but it's you know, crazy, man. It is absolutely crazy. So you're seeing the money on the ground. I think everyone's seeing it. You know, we're gonna record some spots today for some. You know, try to be tactful and letting people know we're gonna kind of stimulate their trade in is what I'm calling it. We're stimulating their trade in. I'm doing fourteen hundred dollars over appraised value for your for your car. You know, trying to play off the stimulus number, and I also want. I want your trade-in. I need, I need the two to $3,000 trade-ins because I'm just not finding them anywhere else. That's interesting. You know, I heard you say that yesterday on, on Clubhouse. And uh, I, at first, I didn't think about why you were doing it. I was like, well, what in the world are you trying to get more customers to your lot? Because we don't have a problem with getting the customers here. But then when you said, hey, then when I said that and you said, well, I really want their trades. Well, that makes sense. I think, I think it's probably a good time to try to get people out of their older cars and because if you can't find inventory and you can play on the $1,400, I think. Yep. I Sell think a car, probably, get their trade. Yep. And here's the bottom line. We're paying $1,400 over MMR anyways, guys. You know, if you're going to the auction, it's the same argument we've had over and over and over. Step up on the private party because my mechanics can actually put it on the rack and look at it. They know exactly yeah. what it needs and doesn't need. So sure, I can kind of undervalue the trade in, kick it up by $1,400 and still be in a great position. And, no. and and just make sure you're not undervaluing trades because that will lead to that leads to several things, Jeff. And I, I said this I think last week. Maybe I'll, I'll go over it again. But if you do that, you're hurting your customer. You're probably hurting your sales staff because you're missing trades, and you may get a bad reputation for doing that. So make sure out there, people, don't try to steal trades. Trades should be calculated by MMR or book value, however you do it. And make sure you're paying the right amount because if you get the reputation of not, then you're not going to get the cars in the future. Yeah, and that's that's the number one thing. Those are the cars that, guess what? When they do trade them in at the other dealership, they ain't showing up at the auction. You know no, what I'm saying? Those are the ones not. I think we all know. Those are the 
the ones we try to get at, uh, do you think book values are going to adjust ever or, or is this a blip that we are buying cars deeper and have just got to deal with it? So JD Power, is that JD Power values? Is that what we're supposed to say now, Jim? I think so. I don't know. What I mean. Okay. So JD Power values are based off of sold used car units at franchise stores. Did you know that? No. And they don't bring in auction numbers? No, sir. I thought we had them at the podcast a year ago and they'd mentioned something about that. I don't think so. Okay. They may use that for maybe their trade value, but I don't think so. I don't think MMR gives them that number. I don't think Mannheim gives them that number. I don't think Black Book. I think there's a... I yeah. think there's a clear definition. Definition. So what does that mean? So book values are always going to be behind. Um, I think they update their book values monthly, maybe every two weeks, you know, quickest. So what's going to happen is you're going to, there's going to be a delay. But also what happens is what are the, what's the one thing that new car stores are not doing with front end gross, right? On used cars. Nothing. They're not making it. Okay. Yeah. So you got to take all this into account. So if they're paying essentially retail at the auction, they're getting retail at their dealership and all they're making is back end profit. Well, that book, value is never gonna, that book value is never going to adjust. Hmm. So the only way to, for it to adjust is to make franchise stores make front end gross. Well, we don't, <laughs> we don't have the ability to do that. And they're not so, smart enough. We're not, we're not smart enough to figure out how to make that happen. So are they going to adjust? Well, they got to adjust a little bit, but to see that big, big jump where you can get that $3,000 spread, uh, those days may be gone until something happens to that back end profit source that so many new car stores have. And that's because you think that not only does the increased demand put the extra squeeze on it, but just basically the overall philosophy of new car and the V auto type mentality yes. of, I don't, I want to make a couple hundred bucks on the front end and then I'm going to make a, a thousand or 2000 so, on the back end. So let's, let's think about, cause right. I want to be the lowest price within 500 miles. That's right. It's, it's all V auto. It's all uh, car gurus. They, they've destroyed the front end gross. And honestly, franchise stores have, have done it too. They don't make any money on new, on new cars either. So as long as they still have that mentality, it's going to be hard. It's well, they might gonna, make it through the addendum, right? That's it. And, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna make it through the addendum. They're gonna have yeah. loss leaders, and they're gonna they have opportunity to make so much back end profit. Well, for one, if if they're not paying, if they're not having to pay a salesperson twenty five percent of gross because the gross is zero, they're playing flats, and then they're making back end money. Where you got probably a bunch of F and I people making some money, but you're making you know your salespeople poor. So it's it's advantageous in my opinion for them not to make front end gross. <laughs> yeah, lower and they and they're so used. And they're so used to it on the the franchise side because all they're doing the franchise side is hitting rebates. They've got to sell a certain amount of cars to hit rebates because that's where they're making the money. Hmm. Interesting. Where you have the advantage is the independent, especially the buy here, pay here, lease here, pay here. You know, any detail is really yeah. irrelevant yeah. for the most part if you're providing a good quality car. You know, an interesting thing too, let me transition to this. We, there was such an interesting post a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Brad, uh, I won't say his last name, but he had mentioned something about, you know, the early days of his dealership. He's got a wife slash fiance that doesn't quite understand his dedication to the car lot. And when he's, you know, consumed for a couple extra hours at the lot or doesn't come home or come home late, 
that she's not quite understanding that and, and getting the input of some more seasoned dealers as to how do you handle that work-life balance uh, mystery equation that we all, you know, and as car dealers, we live this, you know, it's who we are. We, we eat, sleep, drink it. Um, and I know I've fallen victim to this. I mean, my first marriage was a, was a, you know, partially a factor, you know, was my dedication to my car lot. Um, where do you sit on that, Luke? I mean, I know you work with your wife. Alexa is probably on the other side of that camera yeah, right now, but just, just right over there. So I can't be careful what, what you're saying. Say. No, this is, there, there is no, so there's no easy solution to this, Jeff. Uh, okay. There's no, you know, there's no right way and a wrong way because some, some men treat their wife differently. Some, some wives uh, have a different opinion on, on what's more important. So, you know, I think communication, like you said, when we were off air talking about this, communication is, is so key to, to making it work. It, it, the, your spouse, wife or husband does have to understand that you being at work is vital to, to the success of the family. Because if you, you know, I, I think one of the statistics is the main reason most marriages break up is because of finance, right? Financial right, issues. Number one. Yeah. Number one. And, and number two is probably bad communication or, or work-life balance. Right. So um, you got to juggle it. You know, how much money do you need? How many hours you got to work to make it, to make it all work. But also, you know, and I fell victim to this plenty of times. I put, you know, my, my desire to have fun sometimes uh, and, and get to my goals over the value of, of what my family should have been. I, I trained for an Ironman when my daughter was a, was a, you know, a year old. Well, if I could go back, I wouldn't do that again. Right. I would go back and say, I really should have spent that time with my daughter and with, you know, my wife, who was a, a you know, a brand new mother at that point. Um, I wasn't there doing the job I should have been doing because I was at, out there making myself happy. Mm. So I think there's, you know, you've got to make not, you know, when you have a family, a dealership, you've got a ton of people to make happy. You got your wife to make happy. You got your children to make happy. You have your employees you need to make happy. And, you know, somewhere in that list, you got to make yourself happy. If, if not, everybody's going to be unhappy. So it's a juggling act. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say, Luke, you, you do have to prioritize that. And, and I want to go on the record and, and everyone needs to understand that that order of priority of happiness is you yourself. Number one, I think you have to make yourself happy. If you're not doing what makes you happy, nothing else matters. Number two, it's your family. And far down the list is number three, your business. Uh, you know, I think it's important. I think we, we wear our dealerships like a badge of honor. Um, but man, I mean, you know, the amount of dealers that have just had crappy family lives and multiple marriages because <laughs> they're more committed to their work and getting to the auction and being at the dealership and working on a Saturday and staying late and all this hustle stuff to make a couple extra bucks. So it's not worth it. In the end. I mean, my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, Luke, I saw my dad first marriage, so you're doing yeah. well, but you know, uh, well, I've got a, I've got a great wife that puts up with my crap, but you know, yeah, my, she, my she dad, you work every day. So she's got to deal with you yeah. there. When you get home, she doesn't want to deal with you. Yeah. So at this point, when you were married 16 years, you really doesn't really care to see me. So it's, it's okay. Yeah. But uh, you know, my problem is I come to the dealership and it's like a time warp. I don't yeah. check in with my wife the whole time I'm here because it's just go, go, go. And I get home and she's like, well, you didn't think about me today. And I'm like, well, no, I thought about you. I just literally didn't think to text you or say hi or call you yeah. because I'm in this time warp that is my dealership. 
and all of a sudden I come home and it's like, everything's supposed to be great, but I've neglected her for eight or nine hours and it's not great. But you know, so, we're, we're a little, we're a little older, you know, we're not from this new generation that has to send a text every once in a while and call your wife every 10 minutes. I, it's just not a guy I am, right? I'm just not going to be that guy. Um, but I was going to go back. My dad, you know, my dad's an old school car guy. And um, he would go to work at, at 7, 7.30 in the morning. He would not get home to, till 8 o'clock at night. And, you know, part, part of it was he didn't want to be at home. You know, he wanted to build his business. And, and, and part mm-hmm. of it was he wanted to be able to build his business. Yeah. And part of it was, you know, he had two young girls at home that, you know, they were young girls, right? Yeah. So, uh, but his marriage lasts. His marriage is is good. So, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of yin and yang. It's a lot of give and take. But the last thing you should do is give up on your family and, yeah. and, and give up on your you know, on your wife. That's, that's, that's yeah. the last thing that, that you should do. And that would be my advice. Leave some money on the table. Don't try to take everything off the table. Don't try to do everything yourself. Outsource, hire other people. You might have to slow grow your dealership more than you would, but it's going to be at the benefit of your family life. Take the time off, go on family vacation, be at your kid's soccer tournament, take your wife out to lunch, yeah. do date night, do those things because if you're just so caught up in your dealership, you're going to wake up one day and be like, oh shit, all my kids are grown. They don't and, know me. I've got a and ton your dealership's of money, gonna be gone. but what's the point? Yeah. And your dealership's going to be gone. Yeah. Family first. Jeff. Or heaven Family forbid first. you get divorced and then she takes half of it. Then what? Then, then what you work for? Anyways, bro. Yeah, then then what you work for? <laughs> Luke, I want to bounce an idea off you. Transition one more time. So I signed a lease on a second car lot. Hey guys, uh, sorry to interrupt the podcast for just two seconds, but we want to make sure you guys know about a friend of the podcast, Luke. Yeah, Dealery. Um, I've had my reinsurance company since 2011. And as I always say, it is the one thing, the one thing you can do in our auto industry, whether you're buy here, pay here, retail, high end, no matter what, to build wealth. It's all about building wealth. And reinsurance is the best way. And honestly, without being a buyer payer dealer, maybe the only way to build continual wealth over time. So I can't recommend the tailors any higher. Uh, great people. Great. Products. Yes. Great guys. Tax rates are going up. I think that was announced yesterday. Biden, they're going to increase the tax rates. So you need to find ways to have tax deductible expenses at your dealership. And the best way to do that is to pay yourself those tax deductible expenses. Don't give it to the third party vendors. They don't care about your cars. Give it to yourself. That's right. Okay, guys. Uh, anyways, contact dealery. You know where to find them. Uh, notes are in the show notes here on the episode and we will get back to the episode. Why did you do that? Uh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So I'm going to present to you the idea, the theory, the reason I did this because I think every other dealer should go through this same process of asking these questions and they should bounce it off a trusted partner, a dealer friend to criticize the crap out of it. At this point, it's too late. What's done is done. So yeah, you didn't, even, you didn't even tell but, me. You just, you, you kind of <laughs> threw that on me in the middle of, uh, I can't wait. To, I can't wait till 20 group. Cause this is going to be great. Yeah. 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 Wait for 20 group a year from now. And then you can really <laughs> slide me. So anyways, <laughs> Well, you know, we foreshadowed this about a year ago when we did our uh, podcast with Nick. Nick's a Northern Utah dealer. And there's this little town right in between the two of us that we've both kind of been drooling over for a while. Super underserved community. It's small. Um, 
But what, what I found over tracking this through the last two years is this little community is just super underserved, right? They register twice as many cars in the state or in the county as the county sales. Does that make sense? So the dealerships inside the county are only servicing yeah. half of the purchases that are happening, right? So I think there's a huge opportunity there. We found a car lot that came up. It's a lease with an option to buy. It's about an acre and a half of land with a small, small old dealership and a couple little crummy buildings right next door to the Ford store, right? Literally next door to the Ford store, main drag. So a great opportunity to get the new car store turned down. It's a great opportunity to someday knock this thing down and make a real legitimate dealership out of it. That's, I've got a lease with an option to buy. So I hit the property play, right? That's the number one reason. Is it a land play? Can you get a piece of land, buy it and have an asset? So if I execute on the land purchase, I've got that bucket checked. B, I'm not maxed out on my current footprint, but we do service a lot of people from this county, right? We probably have five to six sales a month. I would say a quarter of my portfolio is from this county. Um, so we've got a pretty large built-in customer base. Obviously, I'm going to be taking from my current location sales because those five sales are now going to go up there for the most part. So I'm kind of splitting the pie a little bit. Um, thirdly, I've got a guy who's ready to take it and run it. He's been with us a year. He's an awesome salesman. He's great at F&I. He's ready is to it run your, a dealership. Adrian? Right? No, 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 no. So this is Ignacio. He's uh, been our top salesman for the last 12 months. Um, he's willing to commute up there, open this dealership, run it, make it his own. I'm going to put together a comp plan for him that, that benefits him to grow this. So I'm not driving 35 minutes every day to run this place. Uh, he'll be doing it. Obviously, there's no guarantee there. But... What do you think? First question. Are you selling as many cars as you think you should at your current location? No. Okay. You should have, you should have done it. Okay. You're going to cannibalize some of your sales. Right. At your current location now. I know that. So where are you going to, where are you going to bring those other sales in from? Uh, hopefully anywhere. I don't know. <laughs> so just my thought process is you just cannibalize. You said a quarter of your portfolio. So you, you've taken out. It's not, it's not a quarter of your sales though, right? How, how much? Of no, no, I'd say, uh, yeah, 20% maybe. I mean, I mean, I think we're three to five a month, right? Okay. So, so that's going to go to that, that store, but you've just doubled your, right. you, well, you probably hadn't doubled your overhead, but you've probably taken your overhead up by 70%, right? No. Well, no, you no, say no, no. no, you say no right now, but I'm just going to yeah. tell you what's going to happen. But it's, it's 50% at least. So, yeah. Um, Jeff, you know, I want you to do well. Um, mm -hmm. but I think the one key before you ever open a second store is to maximize your current location. And that mm -hmm. is always, that wasn't always my philosophy, but a wise woman, my wife said that to me one day when I was mm -hmm. hell bent, hell bent on opening a new store. Mm -hmm. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And that's what we kept coming back to. Well, how many cars should your current location sell? And I said, we should sell, let's say 45, 50. I think that's where we can mm -hmm. land. Are you doing it? No, we're not doing it. So why, why do it? Yeah. So you're basing what your core, what your store should do based off your footprint. Yeah. How many cars I can carry. How many uh, salesmen you have. You're not, you're not basing that at all off your demographic and your geographic. No, no not at customer all. Base. Um, and I may be looking at that wrong, but no, I mean, I've got, 
you know, if you drew a if you do a 20 mile radius around Columbia, you're probably at almost half a million people. Okay. Probably 400, 400,000. So no, I mean, there's no limit on that. And I'm the yeah. oldest buy here, pay here store around. So, you know, we, you're not capped. You're an issue with market share. You need to take from other dealers. Market share, better, better processes. Um, I mean, I, honestly, honestly, the limiting factor at my store right, right now is staff and okay. Making the processes work properly every time. You're Those the bottleneck. Been, yeah, I mean it's it's if it's not necessarily me, it's the the yeah. people around us. You know, right. I mean just Somebody. just today, just today. I mean, you've got a salesperson doesn't show up today. Um, you've got your service manager who stepped into the sales role that just had to leave because his daughter's you know he's got a, a baby that's on the way right this second. Yeah. So. You know, um, that's the reason I was kind of looking that way a second ago. Um, so, you know, and, and technicians, you can't get cars ready fast enough. So the processes are not are not well old enough to sell 50 cars a month. I, and that yeah. sounds crazy, but it's the Understood. Truth. It is no. me. It is me. I mean, let's get down to it. It is me. <laughs> well, we, we say it every time. Yeah. If your dealership has a flaw, it comes from you. Uh, you either can't let things go, you can't hire, you can't inspire, you can't retain talent. It's you and your top management. And for most of us that are mom and pop operations, it's us, right? Us, yeah. our general manager, you know, the sales manager, the shop manager who's flunking mechanics out of the shop constantly. So yeah, for me, my Achilles heel is going to be recon. Uh, I don't have enough cars on the front line now. I've got more cars in the back than I do up front and I can't keep a mechanic so to save my life. So right. that is going to be the Achilles heel on this. If, that if I can't fix that puzzle, then I'm SOL. So um, you're going to, yeah. what's, what's going to happen is you're going to have less cars in your lot. Yep. Current location. And half up here, half up there. And I tell you, that is, it. so uh, Clint Wagner, who we had on uh, How I Built This, it's somebody I really, really, uh, I just, he does it the right way. And I just, he, he's one of those guys. He's in my town. He's my direct competition. Anyway, he texted me the other day. How long is it taking you to get, get your cars ready? And I, and I just text back uh, the age old problem in the car business. That is the hardest thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, shoot, I wrote a, I wrote a PowerPoint on it. I've presented it yeah. before and I, and I can, we can follow the process and then there's always a breakdown. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're bringing in a lot of different factors from the quality of the car, the purchase, the timing, the mechanics, having parts available. I got a lot of cars that are waiting just because I can't get the part yeah. that it needs. Um, I think, I think that's going to work sure. its way out in the next couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my argument is this, in my small town, we got about 150,000 people. Um, the other buy here, pay here, that's my number one competition is all but dead. They're pretty much gotten out of it um, from all the word on the street. They're, they're really just struggling. And, and we're still not doing it. There's just not a lot of subprime buy here, pay here customers in my town. I, that's a weird thing to say, but I don't know where they're going. I don't know where they're buying. Uh, anyways, so I'm hoping to capture some of the people in, in this neighboring town that might be going to the cash lots and, and buying the $3,000 crap ride that might put $3,000 down with me and finance a couple of payments. It's a growing community. It's got a lot of industry. It's got a lot of, you know, college, first-time buyers, my subprime first-time buyer program. So anyways, that's the presentation, Luke. I'll let you know how it goes. Well, I wish you the best. And of yeah. course, I'll be here if you need me. It's going to be a fun experiment. Something. 
And I thought if nothing else, now I know I will do it. (laughs) I think all in my calculations with rent, utilities, the build out, you know, some of the little things I need to do to get the thing up and running. As long as my salesman can sell enough to pay his own salary, I'm going to be into this thing like maybe 50 grand for a year. I got a year lease if I don't execute on the purchase. So it's a $50,000 lesson, worst case scenario. Um, completely worth it, in my opinion. So good luck. We'll see how that goes, man. Uh, Luke, let's wrap it up. You got anything else uh, on your mind? One, um, one last thing. Um, okay. I went to, I went over to Birmingham last week and I uh, had a chance to stop by and see Jack Carter on the way. We had lunch with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're in the Atlanta area, I always stop by and see Jack. Good, good dude. And uh, just looking at his, what he's got going on. And man, I tell you, uh, he's got a lot going on. And uh, it's always nice to visit other dealers. And I also had a chance to visit with Pokey Brimer over in Oxford, Alabama. Oh, so, yeah. uh, and I guess what I'm, and, and his, yeah, Pokey's been in business, I think, probably as long as we have. And to see other dealers and to see what he's got, I mean, he's got a big location. Nothing what I, nothing at all what I thought I would see when I got there. So I was uh, very surprised, not surprised, but just, I was like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I'm trying to tell people, um, if you're driving somewhere and, you know, Google and see who's around there, see if you know anybody, just to, to see what other dealers are doing, because you will get inspiration from them and figure, mm-hmm. you know, it's always, always good to do. We don't, none of us do it the right way. 100%, right? Mm-hmm. And other dealers do things differently that you may not think is right until you see it. And all of a sudden you go, wow, I could incorporate that. Do you have any concrete examples? Anything you really feel like you took back from either of those guys? Um, Pokey was, uh, Pokey and, uh, and uh, Blaze were talking about some parts ordering things that, that they were doing compared to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that very interesting. Uh, Jack, I look at Jack's detailing facility and what he did. I kind of, I really like, he split it off a little bit from his current location. He's got a different way of, of getting cars ready that, that I find interesting. I don't think I'm going to incorporate. Um, he just kind of lines them up and like, it's one car at a time. Is that how it works? It does. He, he has a use of four post lifts that I, I found interesting. Mm. Um, it's just, I tell you, Jack's got such a big building, big facility. Um, I really like when you walk into his, uh, when you first walk into Jack's door, it's very open. Mm. Um, and the way he's got everything, it just looks really nice when you walk in. And, yeah. and I just, we're doing some things here at the office uh, construction-wise. So was, I was happy to see what, what he did. And I kind of had that back of my head. That's what we wanted to do. Give you some design influence. Yeah. I think one thing that hits home for me is I think a lot of dealers listen to the podcast or they look at uh, stuff on the Facebook page or kind of key in on other dealers. And maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of dealers think that that either they either they can't do what someone else is doing or they're not smart enough to do it or that they are doing something great. And then when they go visit somebody like that, they're like, wait a minute, this guy is just like me. We're a peer in these groups. And yet look at the scale of the operation he's running. Look at, yeah. look at what he's grown this to and taken these risks. And it's almost like inspiring to be like, hey, if that guy can do it, I can do it, you know? If this guy that's chiming in and, and he, I've got all the answers he's got, or I've got all the, the access to education that he's got, or he's 
dealing with the same struggles and insecurities I'm dealing with. And yet look how he's like, you know, he's really so, doubled down and gone all into it. That should inspire yeah. us as dealers to do the same thing. If that's our aspiration. Yeah. You know, and I guess one thing I just thought about that Pokey um, told me was that he, uh, we all think that if we're going through a struggle, that it's, it's really just us. We're the only people that have problems. Right. And Pokey has this big uh, salvage yard of parts and things that, that he uses with used cars. Well, he had a huge fire there, like the Sunday before I got there and it burned like 50 cars. Mm. Um, and you're, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not the only one that's struggling with, and this was uh, somebody, it was arson, right? Mm. And so I'm not the only person that struggles with, with bad things that happen. It was just, it was unique to, to see it and, and talk to him about it. Because you're exactly right. It, you know, who do you, everybody's going through something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's dealing with different things. And you just had a flood, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it yeah. was just, it was good to just, I mean, I, I hate bad things happen to anybody, but yeah. it was reassuring that I'm not the only person going through something. Yeah. We had an eighth of an inch of snow yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's mid-March. Like, yeah. We shut everything down. National Guard was here. Oh I was pulling out every four-wheel drive I had. It all melted by 11 a.m., but thank goodness we averted that tragedy, you know? So we, we've all got stuff we're dealing with. Luke, uh, get to see you Monday, right? 20 group? Yeah, buddy. 20 group. Nashville. Yeah. Guys, uh, I think more and more, uh, does, does 20 group cut us back a check? Do we get commission or royalties on the amount of 20 group members we've got to sign up? I wish we did. Um, I don't think this administration is going to say They would never tell us, yeah. no, but they, they should. Not. We say it all the time, guys. Join a 20 group, get involved, get involved on the Facebook page, get involved in the clubhouse chats, whatever it is. Uh, you know, it's just so much fun to talk to dealers and bounce ideas off of everybody. Um, with that being said, thank you for the listenership. Thank you for supporting the podcast, uh, the iTunes reviews and the Spotify reviews and give us your feedback, please. We're going to do better. We're going to get the monthly newsletter coming out so that we can uh, get some feedback from you guys and, and make sure we're steering this podcast in the direction you guys want it to go in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I just really wish people could uh, see me on the podcast and this crazy outfit I have on. Watch this on YouTube. That's how you do it, right? He looks like a big old Christmas tree. <laughs> no, it's St. Patty's tree. Come on. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, All right. See you next week. Bye. So glad you joined us. Please take a minute to leave us a review and share this podcast with a friend. The Independent Dealer Podcast. Dealers helping dealers.